Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in Cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete Cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but Nice is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With Nice and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting nice.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit nice.com. Nice, cloud powered, CX at scale. comes the hot step murder volley nothing personal word of the day it is hall of fame induction day or the announcement of the ballot but the word of the day is volley thursday january 25th no it's definitely not thursday i don't even oh god damn it we're starting over four eight sixty volley nothing personal word of the day it's tuesday January 25th, 2022, word of the day is volley because that's what's going on, not just down under, mate. Did you know we're already in the quarterfinals of the Australian Open? No, volley is what's going on between the owners and the players in Major League Baseball. People are getting restless. Are you getting nervous? We're going to miss time. We're going to miss spring training. We're going to miss games. Oh, my God. The main negotiator for the owners, Dan Hallam, let it be known during the meeting, the owners are willing to miss games. NS squared, baby. Of course the owners are willing to miss games. Missing a few games here, a few games there in order to get an agreement that you want. We're good. We've done segments on the fact that you're going to come back. Fans say they're not going to come back. We hate you, baseball. We hate you, Rob. We hate you, Tony. We hate you, Dan. We hate you, Bruce. We hate you, Scott. We're angry. We're not going to take it anymore. Of course you are. We know that. But yesterday was an in-person meeting. Dan Hallam and his lead owner, Dick Monfort, Bruce Mayer, number two in the union, and his lead player, unsigned Andrew Miller, and a few others were in a meeting for about two hours and 15 minutes Word leaks out always. It was funny. Do you know that MLB hired someone? They didn't announce this hiring. It was done very, very quietly. Very, very quietly. Remember how MLB got crushed because Rob Manford during 2020 got into a public back and forth during COVID and it turned into a total nightmare where they were fighting publicly with the players and all the fans were annoyed. The sponsors were annoyed. And we said this year, what we're really looking for in this negotiation is the possibility that they do it a little quieter. Just do your job, go through the bargaining, make sure nothing personal is around. We'll tell you whether or not you should be worried and when to get worried. 
Don't panic till we tell you to panic. We'll give you the issues, where they are and the issues and why. And it's been quiet. We had the Scherzer interview. MLB has not countered that. And a little nugget came out that MLB hired a former political operative. I like that description. Is that on LinkedIn? Hey, Coco, will you check the LinkedIn of Glenn Kaplan? Does he have like political operative 0069? He is their spokesperson for collective bargaining, which you need. So these meetings take place and you just wait. I don't try to guess after the meeting. I tell you what I think is going to happen before the meeting starts. Then I wait for the meeting to end. Then I wait for the reports to come out to tell me what happened. Because reports always come out because the league calls insiders who work for their networks and they give them the information. The players have their own media people who they use to get the information out. And then you piece it together when you understand the issues. And then you come up with a segment where the word of the day is volley. So the players sat down and made a significant proposal, quote unquote. That's what we were meant to think. This was huge. The players had three core economic issues and they gave in on one of them. This is huge movement by the Players Association. The players are interested in getting young players paid faster. They want more players eligible for arbitration earlier. That's one. Two, the players want a lower competitive balance tax threshold. They want a higher competitive balance tax threshold. What that means is they don't want big market teams to have to worry about the competitive luxury tax threshold the way five teams did this year, where it acts like a salary cap because it is a salary cap in the mind of owners. So the players want to raise that number higher, like to 245. I thought they'd lower it to 230, but they didn't. The other thing the players want is they are desperate desperate to get rid of tanking and they think the best way to get rid of tanking is not to reward teams with the worst record with the top pick so they want a draft lottery and there's a fight about eight teams versus three teams how many teams will be in the lottery for the players to have made a large move they would had to have moved on one of those issues but what they did is they announced an epic move they sat down together over the weekend as they were discussing what their response was going to be and what kind of proposal they were going to make. And they acknowledged that they're in no rush to get the deal done. The deal doesn't need to be done today. It's only January 25th. I mean, the regular season doesn't start for two months, March 31st. I mean, we have all sorts of time. Pitchers and catchers report February 15th. That's a date that you can ignore. They're not going to report that day. No problem. There'll be a bunch of articles of how upset everyone is and how we should be getting, loading the trucks and bringing them down to Florida. Who cares? Owners don't care. Players don't care. Therefore, you shouldn't care. Take a hint from executives and players about what you should care about. If owners are okay missing games and players are okay missing games, then you should be okay missing some games. It doesn't mean you're going to all of a sudden stop being a fan. So the players sat down and they said, all right, we want to move this process forward. Why don't we give them a proposal where we can then publicly say that we have started the process of giving in? But let's go through the issues and not give in on anything that actually is meaningful or has a chance to be in the final agreement. Oh, I think that's a good idea, Scott. 
Of course, they're talking about this with Scott Boris. Before they do any proposal, Scott Boris is made very well aware of it. Trust me. How do I know that? Because Scott Boris has half the players on the executive council that's doing the negotiating. So they say to Scott, how about this? We've asked for free agency after five years. The owners are very upset about that. They do not want players to leave their teams before six years. So by giving up a year of free agency, that's something that owners, they're going to go to the mat. They're never going to change the system of free agency. And the players said amongst themselves, well, we definitely knew that, but why don't we keep that issue alive so we can give it up later? And then Scott Boris said, well, giving up an issue later that the owners know is not really a give is not going to get you anything. The owners have made it clear that free agency will be at six years. We keep saying five years. The owners know we're not going to go to the mat on five years. You know the owners are not going to cave and move to five years. Therefore, the issue of when players become free agents is not on the main issue list. The issue of whether a player will become a free agent after five years or six years is a Fagazi issue, as in forget about it. So the players got together over the weekend and said, all right, you know what? The fans don't know that. The media doesn't know that. Let's give in and say, as part of our agreement, we will give in and keep free agency at six years. But in order to do that, we want the competitive balance threshold raised to 245 million. We want eight teams in the lottery so that the team with the worst record has an even smaller chance of getting the first pick so they're not going to tank. Do you think that'll work? Well, Scott said, we will be able to spin this as though we're the good guys because I'm the king of spin. So let's have the meeting. Let's sit there. It'll be a little cantankerous. We'll have a little back and forth. Of course, Scott won't be at the meeting, but the earpiece, Andrew Miller and the other players have an earpiece directly to him. They don't have Coke in their ear. They've got Boris in their ear. What's going on now? What's going on now? Did I ever tell you the story, Coca? Slight detour. Did I ever tell you the story when we were in the winter meetings negotiating with the Los Angeles Dodgers about a trade we wanted to do with them? And Larry Lachino was a uh, Stan Kasten, excuse me, was an executive for the Dodgers. And I went into the meeting and Stan said, you know, we're the presidents. We shouldn't go into that meeting. I said, I'm going into the meeting. Stan Kasten said, I don't need to go in that meeting. So Stan Kasten leaves the suite and he puts his ear against the door to listen in how the meeting's going. And the reason we know that is after the meeting, which ended abruptly because we couldn't come to, to an agreement, I did a sneak, like, quick opening of the door, and Stan was scurrying away from the door. I always picture Scott Boris doing that, like listening in on these negotiations with an ear. Where, where, where are the meetings? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rent an office right near there, or a conference room or a hotel room. Way to go, Scotty Boras. So the players go and they meet, and they say, all right, here's our proposal. One. Keep the tax threshold at 245. Thank you. We're not moving on that. Two, I want everybody who's attained two years of service to get arbitration. Are we good? That's two. Three, we are going to allow free agency after six years, not five years. But 
if we do three, then we're going to want four. And this is a big one. We want less money going to small market teams and revenue sharing. That's an issue that's not being talked about much. That is the number one issue for small market teams like the Cleveland Guardians, the Miami Marlins, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Kansas City Royals. Revenue sharing is the way that big teams funnel money to small revenue teams in order to cause or foment competitive balance. Large market teams can't stand that because they're giving tens of millions of dollars, sometimes 40 to 50 to 60 million dollars of their revenue into a pot that gets distributed to teams that don't have as much local revenue. I've given you the math on that, but I'm going to give it to you again. When you are a revenue sharing payor, that means that you give money from your local revenue into a revenue pot that gets shared. You do two things. One, you try to hide as much revenue as possible, and MLB has an entire cast of characters, an entire committee of people whose sole job is to make sure that teams like the Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox are not hiding revenue. So let's say you have a naming rights deal for $10 million, and they come to you, the company, and says, you know, we love you. It's been great. We want to give you $11 million. We're going to break the contract and just give you another million dollars. That million dollars is $1 million of local revenue. That $1 million gets put into a revenue sharing pot. And the team, the Yankees in this case, or the Cubs, they only get to keep 66% of that dollar. That means that they get an extra million dollars in revenue, 333000 of it out the door. They're giving it to revenue sharing to teams like the Marlins. Does that mean they don't have incentive to raise more revenue? That was always a big argument. Of course not. That's like saying because you have to pay taxes, you're not going to work. I don't want to get a raise because that means I'll have to pay 30% of that raise to the federal and state government. What kind of horse hockey theory is that? Everyone, everyone would like to make more money even if they're penalized by more taxes. Because as Grandpa Harry used to say, no one ever got poor paying taxes. Now, what about the other side? Let's say the Marlins have a naming rights deal with LoanDepot.com.org slash tube. And they come and say, hey, we're going to give you an extra million dollars. I always thought about what my cost was of goods sold. Cost of goods sold is what it costs you to sell something that will give you revenue. If I have to pay someone a dollar to sell a product that I get 50 cents for, do you agree that I only have made 50 cents? If I have to pay someone a dollar to sell a product that's worth $10, I have made a profit of $9, assuming no overhead and no other costs. Easy math, right? So if I don't need to hire anyone else and a company comes to me and says, we're going to give you an extra million dollars because we like you, we don't get the full million dollars because that means our local revenue has improved, it's increased, 
Therefore, we are gonna get 33 cents fewer in revenue sharing dollars. Which means for every dollar of revenue that I gain, I'm actually only gaining 66 cents. Did that ever motivate me to not wanna raise revenue? I was accused of that by the union, accused of that by other owners, and they don't get it. I want the 66 cents. I understand if I have to give a third of it back because I'm gonna be getting fewer revenue sharing dollars, but anything that is a net profit to me, I'm gonna do. Now, if I need to hire 10 salespeople to sell an extra ticket, or an extra thousand tickets, I'm not gonna do it. Because the math of that doesn't work. Because the money and revenue sharing I'm going to get by having so little local revenue, if I have to pay bodies to go out and sell tickets and I know it's not gonna lead to a huge increase in ticket sales revenue, I'm not gonna do it. That is the dirtiest secret that exists in baseball with its revenue sharing system, that there are teams who are revenue sharing recipients who are motivated in certain ways not to raise their revenue. And that is what drives the union crazy because their view is if revenue goes up, payroll goes up and they want small market payrolls to go up because that's more competition for more of their union members. But the union during this round of collective bargaining has said, you know, screw it. Those small market teams, they're not spending their revenue sharing dollars on the major league product. They're spending it on analytics and minor leagues and developments because they wanna find a bunch of 98 mile an hour throwing people who nobody's ever heard of, who are all gonna get paid a few hundred thousand dollars. And by the time they're ready to get paid more, they're gonna be jettisoned away because the organization has found more guys to replace them. Do I sound like I'm talking about the Rays? Yes, I do. Do I sound like I'm talking about the Marlins? They only wish. So the union said, you know what? Instead of giving the small market teams revenue, sharing dollars from the big revenue teams who tend to spend money on upper and middle class free agents, but certainly upper class, and then it bleeds down a little to the middle class. Let's lower the amount of revenue sharing dollars that goes from big market teams to small market teams, giving the big market teams more money to spend. Screw the small markets. What a brilliant proposal by the players. At first they said, take $100 million out of the revenue sharing pot and MLB said pound sand, that's way too much. Then yesterday the players said, you're right, take 30 million away. That's a huge give on our part. MLB looked back and said, NGTH, not going to happen. Do you know why Major League Baseball will never allow the players to squeeze the revenue sharing dollars? To take revenue sharing dollars away? The reason is that that will create discord amongst the owners. And Rob Manford knows that if only eight owners get together and are angry about a revenue sharing change in the collective bargaining agreement, there won't be an agreement and Rob will lose his job. It's as simple as ABC. I am the hot stepper. It's very simple. So the players with all they did yesterday 
ended up making a proposal that didn't address any of the true differences that can and will be solved in a new collective bargaining agreement. Not one. Instead, they made two changes, one giving up free agency for at five years and keeping it at six, and two, moving the amount of revenue sharing dollars that they want to decrease by only thir to 30 million from 100. Well, MLB is not fooled by that. That's why the meeting was a little cantankerous. But of course, MLB's PR guy gave a statement saying, anybody reporting about comments from our negotiating session is mischaracterized and not a fair representation of the discussion. We think the party's decision not to have a public back and forth and keep our discussions private has been positive. Shouldn't he stop it there? because he's taking the high road, even though he is making a statement, he is drawing attention to it, but he, MLB couldn't resist. I love you, MLB, I really do. His statement ended with, it's unfortunate that someone has chosen a different path and we are gonna remain focused on making an agreement. A little, a little up yours to Boris and the player's side, because the players, of course, wanted to leak that there was great movement by the players that was not received well by the owners. And for all you think I'm just taking the owner's side, I'm criticizing the owner's response. I will be absolutely straightforward with you if the, if the owners do something that I feel is putting not just the season in jeopardy, but the future of the sport in jeopardy, and they are not doing that now. Neither the season nor the future's in jeopardy. But don't let the players control the narrative, and I won't let the owners control the narrative. I promise you. Good news. There's another meeting today. Tuesday, January 25th, the word of the day was volley. We're going to have a little back and forth. They're going to meet again. The owners are going to respond to the players. And do you know what the owners are going to say? I appreciate you going from 100 to 30, but we're going to make that zero. I appreciate that you're going from five years to six years. We're going to keep it at six years. And we, in a showing of good faith so that Samson can be right and that we are in the middle of the middle in the process of getting to an agreement, we will allow for five teams to be in the lottery instead of three. <laughs> it's too early, folks. Don't worry. I promise. I was surprised that baseball was going to have a meeting today actually, because today's a day that baseball likes to make sure is focused on Cooperstown. Is Cooperstown in Oneida County, Coca? Is Oneida County in Wisconsin where my camp was up in Eagle River? I have no idea why Oneida. Is it Oneaga, Osiaga, Otega, Otswego? I feel like I'm doing Wordle right now. What county is the Hall of Fame in? It is Otsego. Nice. Wait, was that one of my guesses? Is Oneida County, for all the Wisconsin listeners out there, could you check what county Eagle River's in? Eagle River, Wisconsin. Is it Oneida? If you can find it, that's Eagle River, two words, E-A-G-L-E -E space, R-I-V-E-R, -E in the Northwoods, the most amazing place in the world for me. Eagle River, Wisconsin. Vilas. Darn it. Oh, Hold on, last guess, sorry. We'll extend the show by a minute or you can cut this. Where's Madison, Wisconsin? That, what county is Madison where I went to college? Is that Dane County? Because Miami's Dade, so therefore I have no idea what Oneida is. 
Whatever, I'm moving on. Where is Madison, Wisconsin? Just check one more. I know you're pissed. Just one more. Stop yelling at me. I just want to know where I went to college, in what county I went to college. Dane. Okay, I got it right. All right, we're moving on. So I figured that they would absolutely focus on Cooperstown because the Hall of Fame announcement is today. There's a four-hour special, not surprising to Memble Network. It's the first time they've had programming that actually has something to say, and that's not a cut to any of the people. I, I love you, Adnan and Jason and everyone else on the network. But the reality is there's been nothing to talk about because MLB will not let you talk about anything. But today you got four hours on the Hall of Fame. Let me break it down to you as quickly as I can and as simply as I can. David Ortiz, make sure you've got good Wi-Fi. A-Rod, you may be at a Packer game with anybody you wish. Roger Clemens, you may be at Walgreens buying any sort of needles you want. No problem. Kurt Schilling, get your statement ready of how happy you are to no longer be on the ballot because you failed 10 years in a row. Omar Vizquel, go get help. The only player who's going to make it in is David Ortiz. I'm going to make that a wait to see, Coca, because they can't have nobody. I told you I think the ballot should be nobody this year. I don't think Ortiz is a first ballot Hall of Famer. The commissioner has been very clear over the years that David Ortiz, while he failed a 2003 drug test, that was never supposed to be leaked, and it was, and it's possible that drug test gave us a false positive the way rapid tests can for COVID. But the Hall of Fame cannot afford to have nobody in. There needs to be some sort of positivity in baseball, and it will create some good, good, good conversation having Papa in there, Big Poppy. A lot of people are writing articles about Barry Bonds, B-squared, how he should be in the Hall of Fame. This is his 10th and final shot. You're done, Barry. Your best chance is with the Veterans Committee, which is not going to happen. Some very interesting articles. My view on Barry Bonds is that he was a Hall of Famer before he started taking steroids. Don't know why he would take steroids. Don't know why he wouldn't admit to taking steroids. I mean, I do know why, because he told me. I had to keep up with the Joneses. Well... The writers are going to keep you out of the Hall of Fame. The best argument I read about why Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame is the same reason why I think Pete Rose should be in, if you believe in this, and Shoeless Joe Jackson, is that if you are going to have a Hall of Fame that is the history of the sport, then you have to discuss the entire history of the sport. Well, here's a little nugget for all of you who believe in that. While it's called the Hall of Fame Museum... It's not a museum. It's not like the Academy of Motion Picture and Science Museum, which completely ignored the studio heads and got rid of all mention of any Jewish people, which is now going to be fixed because of the outcry. It's not that. The Hall of Fame is very clearly for those players who meet the standards that are set out by the rules of nomination into the Hall of Fame. And until they change what writers have the ability to ponder and consider. And until they change what they want up in Cooperstown, people like Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, absolute no doubt steroid people who otherwise may be Hall of Famers are not going to be there. So Big Poppy, get ready. Get the remote ready because we're doing an official wait to see. That's when we tell you something's going to happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't but we'll revisit it. Coca keeps track in a document. David Ortiz will be the only person into the Hall of Fame 
in 2022, as voted by the writers. All right, when we come back, can we go to break now, Coca? When we come back, we're going to review a show I finished last night. I finished season four, part one of Ozark. And then I'm going to talk about something that happened in the NBA that was very interesting if you actually look behind the scenes. We'll be right back. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but Nice is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With Nice and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting nice.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit nice.com. Nice, cloud powered, CX at scale. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Matthew Coca, producing extraordinaire producer. Well, 369. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, along with producer extraordinaire Matthew Coca. We come to you every single day, 45 minutes. We appreciate your time. What, what do you think, Coca? What if we did more? What if our show were longer? There's so many topics that we leave out every day. What is the appetite for people to have a longer show? I wonder about that. 45 minutes is a long time to give me, but what about my dulcet tones for just a little longer? Thoughts? Hmm, interesting. Not yet a wait to see. I still watch a movie every day and a TV series. I've been watching Ozark since it came out. It's with Jason Bateman. It is with Laura Linney, who are two decorated, incredible actors. It's with Julia Garner, who has won two Emmys, playing Ruth Langmore. It's a show about a regular person who somehow gets involved in money laundering and dealing with cartels. If you have not watched Ozark start, the last season, it's done. They are shutting down Ozark. I start watching season four, which I knew would be the last season, and I said, I'm going to get through seven episodes. Why is it only seven episodes? Normally, it's been 10. I, did they run out of money? Was it a COVID issue? Did the story arc end? And I found out that it's a 14-part last season, but they're only releasing it seven now and seven later. That is horse hockey. That means this is season four, not part one. It's just season four. When you release the next seven, that's season five. I have no idea why they were unwilling to acknowledge that. None. So I finished part one of season four. Let me tell you, 
they are not mailing it in. This is like Schitt's Creek where the final season, you say they could go on longer. These story arcs could continue. It is brilliantly written. There is a good amount of dead bodies, which makes it slightly unrealistic because I did go through the Ozarks once. I think driving cross country, I went through the Ozarks. Is that possible? And uh, I didn't see the Bird family. I didn't see any cartels. I didn't see any cocaine or heroin. I did see a lot of like tchotchke shops on the side of the road though. Ozark season four, part one, you will get through it in a gif. It's under seven hours because each episode is between 53 and uh, 64 minutes. And if you're just starting, start now. All right. Someone asked an interesting question, Coke. I think we should answer it. You know what I want? Talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Someone tweeted at me that they were watching Half Baked, Fully Baked this morning. That is a tweet and a DM that I like to get. When you're doing a wake and half bake, then you're having a day. Right, Hakeem Dermish? That person was having a day. Half Baked has a character named Samson. So, so you want to talk to Samson. Comes from the movie. Get into my DM at David P. Samson. They're open. I see them. I respond to them. I don't respond to all, but I respond to as many as I can. Hi, David. Hi. I would love your perspective on the Grayson Allen suspension and subsequent support of Allen by the Bucks organization. Is there ever a time when an organization supports their own player's punishment from the league? Thanks. Well, let's start with the easy answer to that. There was a deal made in Major League Baseball and in the NBA and in the NFL between owners and the commissioner and the union. It was made, the deal was about domestic violence. When a player is charged with domestic violence, there's a statement that comes out from the team saying, we do not in any way condone this behavior We are in full support of the commissioner's office and the punishment and investigation that they are undergoing. Or when the punishment and suspension comes out, take a look at the statement of every team that happens after a player gets suspended. Whether it's Marcelo Zuna, go back to Chapman, go back to anybody. The team has no choice but to publicly support it. That's why the whole Jacksonville Iceman situation was so crazy yesterday. If you didn't hear the show yesterday, go back and listen to that East Coast Hockey League situation with the racist guy who got released and the team had a weird statement to start with that they were going to have nothing to say except that they are have good values. So when it comes to domestic violence, in baseball, when it comes to steroids, when you get popped with 81 games or 162 games, First, second, third, lifetime, whatever the case is. Remember, it's 81 games, first offense, 162, second, lifetime, third, or I think that's right. Cano's 162 was his second. Can you believe, side note, Robinson Cano is going to go to spring training with the Mets. I have a wait to see from forever ago that Robinson Cano has played his last game with the Mets. I may lose that because Steve Cohn doesn't care about the money. But when a player gets suspended for steroids, the team has a statement that says, we support the joint drug prevention rules. 
we support the penalties that have been handed out by Major League Baseball. But Grayson Allen was a different situation. Grayson Allen was suspended for causing injury to a Chicago Bulls player. He's going to be out for, I don't know, eight weeks. He had to have surgery, much like what happened with Jokovic and one of the uh, Heat players when he was suspended three games and the Heat player missed eight weeks or something or six weeks or is still out right now. But when Grayson Allen got suspended, the Milwaukee Bucks released an immediate statement. And I was a little surprised about the statement, not about the fact that they didn't agree with it, because that is something that we call the league with when we disagree. That is something that we will leak to members of the media. We may even give an on-the-record quote to the media saying that we do not believe our players should have been suspended five games or we believe that he was not throwing at the hitter. Side note, there was never a time in 18 years when we had a pitcher hit a batter that I wasn't aware was going to happen before it happened. So, of course, we always know when it's going to happen. But still, you don't do a statement. The Milwaukee Bucks released a statement saying that they vociferously, vehemently disagreed with the league's one-game suspension. The reason why I would never do a statement like that is the Marlins always needed something from the commissioner's office. We needed revenue-sharing dollars. We needed the commissioner's discretionary fund money. The commissioner has a fund that he can give to whatever teams he wants. You have to submit an application for it. It's like a grant that you don't have to pay back. So we would submit a grant request every single year. We always wanted them to throw us any sort of corporate deals the way they threw the Marlins the Lone Depot naming rights deal as part of a larger deal. We always needed something from Sealagand or Manford, just like all small market teams do. The Milwaukee Bucks in basketball, the defending champions in their arena with their level of revenue, they don't need one thing from Adam Silver. They have nothing going on with them right now. There are no pending grievances. There is no vitriol. There's no nothing. So the owners of the Bucks decided this would be a good time because it's one of the few times that a team can actually do a statement that directly impugns the job the commissioner's doing in handing out suspensions. So when you see teams doing that, it's only teams that don't need anything from the commissioner's office. When you see comments from sources or GMs or presidents, but not statements about punishments, then you know there are interrelated, relation, interrelated relationships. That's a mouthful. There are conflicting relationships with the commissioner's office. I appreciate that question. That was a good question. Do you think Grayson Allen should have gotten a game, Coca? I don't. Injuries happen. It just happens. Coca thinks he should have gotten 10 games. That's funny, Coca. You know what your problem is, Coca? I just figured it out. And this is an issue you have. Like we were talking about the SAT breaking news today before the show started. You know how we do it. We talk the night before a show. We talk the morning of the show. We think about things that have happened. Well, before we started recording today's show, there was breaking news that the SATs are now digital, starting in 2024. SATs during the pandemic were not even required by many colleges. SATs were the cause of many an ulcer when I was growing up. Many students would lose their minds. I was a privileged student. I, was, I had the ability to have a tutor 
for SATs. I had an absolute advantage. Standardized tests were part of an application, not dispositive, but used by schools as a way to differentiate two people, same background, same high school, same color, same everything, same GPA. If one has a higher SAT, they're going to let in that person. SATs were the cause of great, great angst. You walked into a room, you sat at a table, you had your number two pencil out. The proctor says, open the blue book. You've got the multiple choice. You've got to write essays. It is sweat inducing. You're nervous. Then you get it back. Then you take it again. I took the SAT once, didn't want to take it again. Who wants to go through that? I had enough anxiety as a kid. So SAT is going digital. Coco was like, it's still an advantage to people with money. There's no question about it. It's why schools take into account more than just SAT scores. It's why underprivileged kids from certain areas of the country can have lower SAT scores than kids from the coasts who go to private school, who have a clear advantage, clear tutoring, etc. Admissions offices take this into consideration. Does that make everything fair? No. As a matter of fact, Coca, to prove my point about the difficulty that admissions offices face, the Supreme Court yesterday agreed to hear in the next session, which means October of 2022, which is the 22-23 session, they are going to hear a case that could reverse affirmative action. Do you know that there is an entire lawsuit that was filed, not by white people, by the way, by Asian people, that they were being discriminated against? They felt that they were not given the right opportunity or the same opportunity to get into Harvard because Harvard was letting in people of color and Hispanics, all people of color, instead of Asians. And Harvard said, hey, we have the right to do whatever we want with our class. We are putting a cast together. Believe me, all schools are looking at this case. The Supreme Court and its right leaning took on this case not because of their love of getting Asians into college. They took this case on because it is going to be their view that any sort of discrimination is wrong against white people, Asian people, people of color. And this is a way for people who are white supremacists to get away with reversing affirmative action. Those are inflammatory statements, Coca. But read, read the case. Read the case. But the Supreme Court is going to consider it. And that is interesting, to say the least. Okay. Nothing personal pick of the day. We won yesterday. We had the Pelicans two and a half over the Pacers. Coca texted me in the middle of the... Uh, in the middle of the game saying, you lost. We didn't lose. We're 11 and nine. Pelicans covered, they won by four. Tonight, we've got an NBA game. We're gonna do football by the end of this week because we got the conference championships. But do you know that the Nets are getting three points at home against the Lakers? Now, it's not about Ruben and his love of the Lakers. It's not about the fact that LeBron James, Coca telling me that he's having one of the best seasons of his career, scoring 29 points, seven rebounds, six assists, whatever, whatever, whatever. The fact of the matter is, the Lakers stink. 
They have zero chance of winning the title. They're lucky if they make the play-in game, the play-in tournament. But the reality is the Nets, even without Kyrie Irving, without Kevin Durant, should not be getting three points. Therefore, we're taking them. Nets plus three versus Lakers. So I don't know if you're staying up late watching the Australian Open, but I've watched it a little bit. There was something that happened yesterday. Please don't turn this off. This is funny. We had a rule in the stadium that if we didn't like the sign you were holding, we could get rid of the sign, confiscate the sign, and if you misbehaved, get rid of you. Samson sucks. Get rid of that. I actually never minded that. But if there were a sign about something with Castro, something that would sully our players or sully one of our sponsors, we would, in very simple terms, get rid of the sign, get rid of the player. Well, in the Australian Open, people were coming to the matches. Fans in Melbourne, mate, they were wearing free Peng Shui t-shirts. Peng Shui is that Chinese tennis player who got disappeared by the government after accusing a high-level official of sexual assault. She was disappeared. Then she came back to life. She gave a statement with one hand behind her back and a gun at her eyeball saying that she was fine. But the WTA wasn't satisfied. They pulled all the tournaments. A bunch of her friends on the, turn, on the um, circuit were not satisfied. And a bunch of people, good people, want to know where is Peng Shui and why can't she be free? So they wore T-shirts. The Australian Open officials confiscated the T-shirts and got rid of the people, kicked them out, and there has been an uproar down under. How could you possibly do that? And they said, listen, we have the right, as they do, to decide who on behalf of Tennis Australia gets to get onto the grounds of the Melbourne Australian Open and watch the matches. But people got very, very unhappy. So guess what Tennis Australia did? The tournament director did a full 180. They did a half 360. Make sure you don't mess this up when you're doing something, when you change your mind on an issue, and you say, hey, I just did a 360. Doing a 360 gets you right back to where you were. So when you did a 360, it means you haven't changed your mind or your position. So the tournament director did not do a 360 on this issue. He did a 180. He said, we are going to allow these t-shirts. We're going to allow people to have an effort to bring attention to Peng Shui. But as long as they're not coming as a mob to be disruptive but are peaceful. I'm not sure what that means. He then went on to say, it's all been a bit lost in translation from some people who are not here and don't really know the full view. The situation is that people came with a banner on two large poles, and we can't allow that. If you're coming to watch tennis, that's fine, but don't cause any disruption. So just so you know, in the Melbourne Stadium, if someone's holding a banner that blocks the view of 10 people, that's not going to be allowed even if it says, I love you, Craig Tilly, the tournament director, or I love you, where are you, Djokovic, or get away, Djokovic, or please win the tournament, Nadal, or I love you, Peng Shui. No matter what is written on a big board, that is going to have to be confiscated. But to eliminate people for what they're wearing, we've done it but only if it is obscene, only if it violates standards of decency, but calling for the freedom of somebody? 
Of course he was going to do the 180. The heat was on in Australia, and he folded like a piece of origami. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but NICE is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With NICE and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting nice.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit nice.com. NICE, cloud powered, CX at scale.